Yeah, good morning. What an incredible week, huh? Plenty of sunshine and vitamin D. Some beaches opened up and eventually the parks. And 80 degrees, a record high temperature for 2020. And it's Sunday. We get to pause and we get to worship this morning together. So today we continue a series we are calling Woven, Making Relationships Last. And what makes it so painful when relationships end is there is a knitting together. There is a connecting in a relationship when two become one, whether it's a friendship or a marriage. And so when that relationship separates, it's painful and so we've looked at some keys to making it last with the hope that at the end of this series, our relationships would be better than when this series started. So let's go. Here we go. Today, we're going to talk about conflict resolution. So hopefully everyone listening had at least one problem this week that you're trying to resolve. It just makes this message so much more relevant. And so week one, we talked about grace. Week two, we talked about communication. By the way, there's a strategic order to those messages because you need grace and communication before you go to resolve a conflict. And so it's communication this week. So the key thought, right, key thought for today is this. We resolve not to fight each other, but fight for our relationship. Yeah, so God usually gives me opportunity to have integrity before I go to speak on Sunday uh, by challenging me with a real-life situation on the topic that I am about to speak about. And so uh, he taught me a while back, Rick, don't expect people to do what you say. Expect them to do what you do. So the test came this past week. Pam and I, my wife, we're playing Skippo. You ever play Skippo? It's kind of like Uno. It's a card game. And everyone gets card. The object is to get rid of your discard pile. So my wife, Pam, is a detailed person. And if you're going to play a game, then play it by the rules. Anybody out there like her today? And so um, I'm a little different. I follow most of the rules, but I love to create alternatives. After all, the game Skippo was 30 years old. Anybody like me? Yeah, so I was trying to um, give my interpretation about how the game could be played uh, but because I had no idea what I was talking about, I continued to speak out of ignorance. And it created more tension, and her corrections became more intense. We had a fight over Skippo. Skippo. We had a fight over Skippo. You know, and um, uh, it wasn't about a, a, an unexpected shopping purchase. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about in-laws. It wasn't about where to go on vacation. It was Skippo. I mean, Skippo wasn't even on the list of the top three marriage killers. And just for the record, in case you were wondering, let me conclude this. We settled the conflict in 20 minutes rather than two weeks like before in our relationship. So here's the good news about conflict resolution. We don't have to fight for our relationship in our own strength. Look at this verse. It says this, we are human. <laughs> That's an understatement. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Oh, hold on to that one. And to destroy false arguments. See, we all have weapons that we use in relational fights. So you get to pick yours out of the list. I just listed a few of mine. How about this one? Raised voice. We do that when we fight. Posturing. Name-calling. Sarcasm. Blaming. Yelling, 
with, uh, we aim our weapons too often at the other person. And so Paul gave a strong warning to the church at Galatia. They must have been having church fights. Have you ever been a part of a church fight? They can get downright ugly. He said this to the church. He said, but if you're always, ready? But if you're always biting and devouring one another, right, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. His words apply to churches, friendships, families, and marriages. And here's the good news. We don't have to fight our relationship battles in our own strength because God has given us some tools to help us in the fight. So the first one is this. Why don't you go ahead and follow along with this one. We choose humility over pride. Pride can separate us in relationships. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I am. No, I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I'm right. And that pride separates us. See, sometimes we, we fight to the death about stupid stuff. Remember this in the fight. We can be dead right and be dead wrong because of pride. So four ways to resolve a conflict. Here we go. You ready? Husbands, you can join your wife's camp and say, okay, honey, we'll do it your way. Or wives, you can join your husband's camp and say, yes, dear, we'll do it just like that. Or you can come together and meet in the middle and compromise, each given a little bit. Or we go apart and we do our own thing. And we don't come back to the issue again to resolve it. If, if it always has to go our way or we cannot come to a compromise Chances are, listen close, the problem is not the problem. Chances are the problem is pride. Pride leads to separation. It leads to arrogance. It leads to criticism. It leads to distance in relationships. So Solomon gives us some insight. He said this, right? Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. That's a good verse. So question is there a place that we need to repent and, and seek forgiveness because of pride? You say, how do I seek forgiveness for pride? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. The second thing is this. We have to continue to see the best in others. We've heard it said that familiarity breeds contempt. It means the longer we're around somebody, the less we value them and the more we focus on their weaknesses. So I remember the first time that I pulled my 2014 Honda Civic into my driveway after it was mine. You know, I pulled it in. I checked to see if the neighbors saw me pull in in my new car. I walked around my car. I said, ooh, nice car, nice car. And the finish was so good. No scratches, no dents. And I got in the car. It had that new car smell. You know, it smelled so fresh. And then I opened the trunk, and it was vacuumed, and it was empty. I stood there looking in the trunk, and I said to myself that day, I made a promise never to use that trunk as a toolbox. Fast forward three years later, the car has scratches, and sometimes it stinks. And here is a current picture of my trunk. I got everything in there. I got a stepladder. I've got a cordless drill, cordless saw. I've got even, I got a spray painter in there. All of a sudden now, that trunk has become a mess. You know why? I didn't protect it like I did that first year. 
What happened? It became familiar, and I lost its value. It can be true with relationships. I put this in the note that the longer we're around somebody, the harder it is to see their value. Because once upon a time, we thought that that friend or family member or spouse was the most beautiful, amazing person that we had ever met. This verse gives us some insight into continuing to value those we love. So follow along as I read, right? Since you have been raised to Christ, to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor, and God at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. And so we got to set our minds and we got to set our hearts. We got to set our minds on things above. We got to set our minds on the best. We got to set our minds not on the flaws in a person. Let's, let's apply it to a relationship because the easiest thing in the world is to be a critic and not a cheerleader for that other person. Yeah, so uh, we have strengths and weaknesses, all of us do. This is my, this is my counsel focus on the strengths. Just focus on the, set your minds on the strengths. So humility instead of pride, best in the other person. The third is this. We, we will hurt each other, so we have to choose to forgive. If we are going to be in a relationship with a friend or a relative or a spouse, we eventually will hurt each other, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. It's going to happen. When it does, forgive quickly. So let me just clarify right here just for a minute. We're not going to stay here, but if the relationship is emotionally or physically abusive, you may have to separate or divorce or get some help. No one needs to live in an abusive situation. One of the things that's on rise in this virus crisis is abuse. It, it, it's not right, and it was never right. So, But for normal offenses... Sarcasm, put down, selfish choices, talking about our mother-in-laws. <laughs> we have to learn to let it go. And this is the truth. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. If we wait till we feel like it, we may never forgive. So look at this next verse. It says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. This part is really critical. Remember the Lord forgave you. So how does forgiveness work for the Lord? Well, I wrote down a few things. He forgave us before we sinned. Nothing we could do to make him love us less or more. He forgave us for our sin. He forgave us for doing the same sin over and over again. He forgave us freely, never to bring it up again. So we forgive others like God has forgiven us. Think about this. Forgiveness comes before communication. I'll say it one more time. Forgiveness comes before communication. If we don't forgive before we go to solve a problem, it will mess up our communication. So let it go. So where do we need to seek forgiveness today? Where do we need to give forgiveness today? Be specific. 
Here's another weapon. We have to continue to choose selflessness. Selflessness, putting our spouse before ourselves. I love this verse from Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. We have to put this self <laughs> to, to death in a way. Guys that are listening today, here's a verse for us. Here's a verse just for us. Ready? Here it goes. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, ooh, and gave himself up for her. Relationships, right, thrive in selflessness, and they struggle in selfishness. I came to a stop sign this week driving through our town, and, and uh, there was two couples that were out walking, and they were waiting for me to go so they could cross the street. And so when I pulled up to the stop sign, because of New York State law, I said, go. And they looked back at me and said, no, you go. And I said, no, 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 I insist, you go. And they looked back at me more intently, and they were like, go, go, go. And so I went. But wouldn't it be so cool to practice that in relationships of putting the other's needs above our new needs? And here it is, trying to outserve them. I love bologna. My wife never eats bologna. When she stops, she still buys bologna and white Italian bread. She doesn't buy it for herself or because it's good for you. She buys it for me. Guys, I load the dishwasher. I load the dishwasher without bragging or expecting a pat on the back. It's simply a subtle way I let Pam know that I love her by serving her. Number five, we, we choose to pray for each other daily. I love this verse in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you. How? We pray for you constantly. Paul's prayer advice, pray for yourself, pray for your spouse, pray for your friends, pray for your kids, pray together. How about this one? Pray out loud. I know I'm blowing some of your minds right now, but pray out loud together. It's okay, just try it. You're going to survive it. There's no prayer language. God just wants us to talk in a way that we would talk to one another, and he loves it when his children talk to him in just a normal voice. And he likes it. And when you do, thank God for each other and do it consistently and do it constantly. It's the best counseling tip that I ever received. Pray together. Pray together. It's become a, a habit in our life in which we both initiate in the morning that we start our day by somehow connecting, even if it's for a couple minutes, just to pray. So tomorrow, one of our young men begins his career as a Navy SEAL. Joe Jr., we are praying for you today. There's a, this is an unusual time because the inductee ceremony doesn't take place. And so his mom calls and said, could his dad and I and his girlfriend, could we gather at the church and would you and Pastor Brian just pray for him uh, and pray over him? And so we met right down in the circle in the front of the church, six feet apart, man. But we, we, we met for a minute and we all shared encouragement with him. And we began to uh, pour into him and tell him, you know, what we thought of what he's doing. 
And then we, we prayed for him. And when we were done praying, we lifted our heads and opened our eyes in this tough, wannabe Navy SEAL. His eyes had tears in them. Why? Because someone cared enough to pray for his safety, to pray for his success, to pray for his future. And we thank God for his life. When we pray, we are inviting God into the relationship. And when we do, we invite the supernatural into the natural. Nothing like someone who knows our struggle that prays for us. Nothing like someone who, who's thanking God because of what we bring to life. Nothing like having someone who asks God to bless us. Nothing like having someone who understands us enough to know our gifts and abilities and prays for us at the beginning of the day that God would use those gifts in a real way. Weapons to help us in conflict. Humility. Seeing the best in the person. Forgiveness. Selflessness. Prayer, and the last one is this. We choose unconditional love over conditional love. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Here's the difference. A contract is null and void if the partners don't do what they said they would do. But a covenant is a promise we make to God that lives through good and bad days. We call it, in the wedding ceremony, we call it vows. I will love, honor, cherish, and keep you. In sickness and in health. In adversity and prosperity. I remember a time when things were rough for us in our relationship and I wanted to leave. And I turned to leave. And I walked into God, and he was standing there. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm done. He said, really? He said, I was there. The day that you promised to love my daughter. I looked up to heaven, and I said, why do you have to put it like that? Oh, oh. And the best ways for our spouse to see and experience as God is for us to follow and know God and to love them like he loved us unconditionally today. The memory verse for today is from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. I mean, we talked about six things today, but can I tell you the one that holds the others together? It's love. Love's the glue. So what does God's love look like? Well, Paul talked about it when he wrote the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13. So just listen. Just listen for a minute. Part of 1 Corinthians 13 from the message translation Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for herself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. 
doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sin of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in flowering the truth, puts up with anything. Trust God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Where do you need to see God's love? When we're talking about the weapons, what weapon do we need to apply to our relationships today? Side note. Remember, we are not only fighting for us, but for the next generation. Some will make decisions to follow God based on how we show them his love. So let's do it today. Let's do it today. I put some next steps there. One is this, that we memorize 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And then today, you know, I surrender my blank to God. It could be our pride. It could be our unforgiveness. It could be that we just got, we just built ourselves up and we just began to think we're better than everybody. I don't know what it is for you, but we surrender it today. And the last is, I will follow through even when I don't feel like it. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll make a commitment to do one of these things on Sunday, today. Can I tell you what happened? There'll be an incident that happens on Wednesday. And your emotions will react the same thing they did last night. And you begin to question it. Satan will cause you to question whether or not you made any commitment at all. Remember this moment. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. Eventually, they'll follow suit and they'll get behind our choice. God bless you. I pray that this lifts you and encourages you this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for a chance to be on this call and in this service. Oh God, knowledge is good, but applied knowledge is better. So help us have the courage to do something different and change something that needs to change. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.